Before we get started, After the Monuments is proud to receive support from VCU Massey Cancer Center. Massey Cancer Center wants you to imagine a future without cancer. All it takes is one, a revolutionary idea, a promising clinical trial, or a new breakthrough. See how Massey is developing new approaches to prevent and treat cancer for every person in every community. Learn more about this future for everyone at MasseyCancerCenter.org. I'm Kelly Lemon. And I'm Michael Paul Williams. And welcome to the After the Monuments podcast, where we look at events and news about race in a historical context and see how, too often, history repeats itself. Hello, this is Michael Paul Williams, and welcome to After the Monuments, a podcast exploring race in America. Um, today we have two guests, um, Lyndon German, reporter for the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and Ava Russo, photojournalist for the Times-Dispatch. And um, today we will talk about literally what happens after the monuments, and in this case, in this case after the monuments includes a disinterment, which is um, was very different. Um, we removed the monument of A.P. Hill. That was the last um, city-owned monument standing in Richmond, Confederate monument. Um, anticlimactic at this point. I mean, are we the monuments are us? Monuments removal are us at this point, and this was just a yawn, or, or was it a, a still a big deal? London? Um, I think it's still a, a big deal, but in terms of you know the kind of fanfare that has come with a lot of the monument removals thus far, this is probably like the least ceremonious of of all of the monuments. Um, that's not to say that the people who weren't there weren't excited. Obviously, people were excited to be a part of this point of history, but um, I think if you were an observer over those past two days, you would you kind of feel like, all right, monuments are gone what's next was kind of, I think, the feeling from a lot of the people there. Um, and you'll see in the story that we wrote, um, Mayor LaVar Stoney was quoted as, this is a new chapter for Richmond, but you know, it's still kind of unwritten as far as what that chapter is going to be. Yeah, and I mean, the first monuments came down in 2020. So yeah, we've, we're, we've been at this for a while. Um, I'm recalling um, Stonewall Jackson being removed and how huge that seemed. I'm standing on the boulevard on uh, Monument Avenue, like a block and a half back. The crowd was so thick and, and, and there was real palpable excitement here. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a different time. 2020 is a different time. Um, what did you sense as far as, um, and again, maybe it's old hat. We know that Devin Henry, the contractor, and his crew had to wear a bulletproof vest because, um, A, no contractors, no other contractors wanted to do this, either because they um, resented um, uh, the cause that was being espoused by removing them or um, whatever. It, did, you, did you feel any sense of danger at this event? No, I, I don't think I felt any danger, um, not even on the second day during the quote-unquote argument that was this happening um, between um, two folks that were, I guess, also observers. Talk, talk to us about the argument. Ava was the cameraman during that time. I think we both were trying to get angles, but I was just kind of like taking notes. So I think you probably have a better kind yeah. of recollection. Um. 
I didn't feel in danger at all while we were there. And uh, I did, um, you know, I did observe the, the argument that, that broke out. Um, I, I knew, like, when the, the day started, because this was like a four-hour, sort of four or five-hour endeavor the whole the whole day the second day mm-hmm. um the disinterment the removal of ap hills which we didn't know it was going to be that yeah, when we a little started back, yeah a, a little <laughs> background um ap the confederate general ap hill and this is what made this particular removal challenging and different was buried beneath this statue which was not on monument avenue um in richmond but at an intersection of laburnum and hermitage um he had been, this is the third time that his body has actually been unearthed. Mm-hmm. Um, poor gentleman. Um, he had been buried in Chesterfield County, moved to the famous Hollywood Cemetery here in Richmond, um, a burial ground for presidents and all sorts of Confederates. And then, for reasons I still cannot fathom, was unearthed and placed under this statue. So talk to us about what was the argument about that you heard? Uh, well, there were when we first when I first got there, there were two gentlemen uh, from who were wearing um, leather vests uh, that had sons of the Confederate veterans mechanized cavalry on the back. Yeah, there's your there there's you your photo. Um, and they uh, spoke a little bit with I think another interesting thing about this particular monument being dismantled um, was that the a descendant of AP Hill was present for for it. So it kind of added a, a tone of a different sort of gravity to the whole situation, I think. And he was not happy about this. He was not happy about us being there, yes. um, observers being there. Um, and so he spoke with the, the two gentlemen with the vests. Uh, they were there for the duration. When we got closer to actually figuring out, they got closer to actually figuring out where the, the they thought it was going to be a box, um, was uh, some uh, other observers in the crowd started becoming quite vocal about uh, their position. What, what were they saying? <laughs> oh, they were they were uh, yelling, you know. Um, they were upset by the Confederate flags that were that were present on these gentlemen's. Yeah, they're, uh, they're powerful images. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so they were really upset. They wanted to know. They were speaking directly to the people, to the two men, wanting to know why they were wearing these these symbols on their on their clothing and if they understood what those symbols meant to these these other men who were in the crowd and they were trying to get the men the the men with the vests to look at them and the two men with the vests were very adamant about just looking forward and it got very very vocal some some members of the crew who were working on the uh, on the mound actually went over and kind of got involved and tried to Tell the, the 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 gentlemen who were who were being more vocal to back off, and so that started sort of a little bit of a vocal a, a verbal altercation between members of the crew and the gentlemen who were you know had had uh, had had begun speaking more loudly about their you know disapproval of the Confederate flags being present, um, and I think the the media all kind of you know quickly moved over to where the the noise was you know to see what was going to happen and it. It felt very tense and like something something might actually, there might be some physical altercation that might come out of this. And then I think the most surprising thing that happened was one of the men in the vest turned towards one of the uh, other men who, you know, was expressing his, his being upset with these symbols being present. And they, they had an exchange. They actually spoke to each other um, 
I think the the man in in the vest you know, actually shed a tear or two, um, and there was this sort of moment, this sort of strange bookend moment uh, of exchange. I think of maybe maybe dare I say cultural exchange um, of understanding. So I think that that made the arc of the four or five hours that we were there interesting. Hmm. <laughs> okay. How were you processing this, Linda? Um, so I was, I was pretty close, I guess. I was mm-hmm. just like standing right behind them, just trying to figure out what they were talking about. Um, and it's like, you're right. It's, it's kind of was like a book into the day, um, and a book into, I think a lot of the grievances that you kind of felt when you're living in Richmond during these past like three years, I suppose, when we're trying to have this discourse of, you know, symbols of the Confederacy and how that affects people emotionally, mm-hmm. um, mentally, you know, you're surrounded by these symbols of oppression and there's this built up frustration that happens, which is you saw kind of erupt, I suppose, uh, during the day. And, you know, mind you, the people in the vest were doing their, you know, best trying not to engage with these people at all. I don't think anyone came to that monument removal with the intention of like, you know, engaging or having an argument. Just like I said, that built up frustration just came out boiled over it just boiled over um so yeah i i, I don't know it, it was an interesting you know exchange to, to to see especially when the event itself was so as i said before like unceremonious um it wasn't until they finally uncovered ap hill that you know people understood the gravity of what was happening and that's like, when it boiled over that's exactly when it was boiled over this moment that was essentially like supposed to be like a grieving process I would suppose for this indirect descendant I believe his name was John Hill John Hill um, who you know wanted this moment to kind of be between him and his ancestor indirect descendant because um, and he'll say indirect if you speak to him um, they don't have any like I don't think super like direct connection like if you were to look up at a family tree it'd be hard to connect it to um, but I think that was it wanted to be like a, a private kind of grieving moment for him, um, and it just was not immediately. Um, so he was upset. The people who were observers were upset. The people who have lived in Richmond all their lives and who have been under the symbol of oppression were upset, and all of those conflicts just kind of met in that immediate moment. I think another thing that happened is, so you have this mound that they're digging in to try to find... AP Hill. And they did they were they just kind of grasping at straws or did they have a good idea where it was? Everybody had an opinion on where he, there are a he lot was. Of, a lot of rumors. A lot of <laughs> there, rumors, there a lot, a of, lot of, of you know, they're digging in the wrong spot and <laughs> you know they're, <laughs> they're saying this in real time. <laughs> you a, you yeah. idiot. It's over Pretty there. Pretty much. <laughs> One of the tales was that he was he was buried upright in the <laughs> plinth of the actual monument. And then I guess the first day people were expecting like, oh, they're gonna like take out this mummy like from the plinth of the monument and then like nothing happened. They were like, oh, that was a lie. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone's just, everyone's really just like trying to discover like what the actual truth is behind or underneath, Where I suppose, this monument. Um, just so many metaphors. The lot, there's a lot of there's a lot of metaphors. <laughs> well, and you had John Hill up on the mound, mm-hmm. you know, kind of overseeing all of this, and I th- I think it was around when they they made the discovery of you know actual human remains. He was up there, and the the people in the crowd, you know, really were trying to engage him directly, um, and 
were vocal about, you know, their disapproval of his ancestor, too. And so I think that heightened the tensions. And that's when some members of the crew actually became involved, too. So there were, there were all these different sides and a lot of emotion in a short period of time. Am I misreading this? Um, I mean, I described earlier just it, the Stonewall Jackson seemed like a big event. It could have happened like in a football stadium. Um, Robert E. Lee, surprisingly, less so, um, but there was, you know, there was a vocal contingent out there. The crowd was not as large because of security concerns. This sounds very intimate. Am I misreading this? It sounds, I mean, no, just... It was intimate. It was, it was more intimate, in my opinion. I mean, I covered Lee coming down, and I was, I mean, there were probably four or five photographers covering the event, mm-hmm. and... Big, big crowd. Uh, I wasn't here when Stonewall Jackson came down, but it was a big crowd for Lee, and I was, you know, way back. I mean, my, my shot, my favorite shot of mine from that event was from, you know, it's just crowd, 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 leading into basically the crane pulling, you know, pulling the statue off. So this was different. There were, I don't know if there were even 50 people there. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there was even 50 people there on the second day, maybe a little bit more on the first day, but... When you talk about intimacy, you know, when you have, you know, two morticians on, on site, you know, attending to this, like, grieving person, um, I, would, I would say that's pretty intimate. It's probably on the opposite side of the spectrum of emotion, like you were saying. Comparatively to Stonewall, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of um, sort of catharsis, I suppose, happening. And this is, like, the opposite of, of catharsis. I think there's just a lot of, um, I don't know, I won't say aggression, um, Unresolved. Unresolved. Kind of like unresolved frustrations, I think. Like, I um, I keep coming back to this word of, like, ceremony and unceremonious because um, I don't think, you know, that frustration that those, that gentleman or those two gentlemen were, were expressing, I don't think is over by any means no. just because this monument has come down. No, and the I think symbol hasn't left. The symbol really hasn't left. Um, in fact, the symbol is still very present just from the two people in the vest um, with the Confederate flag. So I think the city still has a lot of healing to do in terms of, you know, what's what's next? How do we address these emotions that people obviously still have? I'm, I'm going to put this to Ava because um, she's a photographer, so by nature a visual person. What do you feel now, say, when you roll down Monument Avenue and and these these things that were such visual, iconic touchstones of the city, really a, such a huge part of the city's physical identity and visual identity are no longer there. What, what does it make you feel? Well, I didn't grow up in Richmond, so I don't mm-hmm. have the same connection to Monument Avenue that others do. Um, you know, I did grow up in Europe, so it's, you know most streets are lined with monuments there. So from a from a beauty perspective, I understand that people miss those monuments punctuating the avenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the I don't feel their absence when I ride down Monument Avenue because I understand the, the historical weight that they, they represented. And uh, I mean, my, my personal family makeup makes that even, even more important, I think, that they're gone. It's one of the reasons we moved back to Richmond. That the well, your personal family makeup. <laughs> <laughs> my husband is black American. My children are biracial, mm-hmm. two biracial sons. So for me personally, you know, seeing the, the monuments come down, seeing the response of the crowd, 
um, you know, the, the protests that happened in, in 2020 represented a change that Richmond was undergoing that made me hopeful for this city, um, some, some reckoning, and made it more possible for us to envision moving back. Well, it's maybe too personal, but... <laughs> Lyndon, tell us about your background as um, someone who is a native of the Richmond area. You grew up in um, a suburb, Hanover County? Yeah, so I grew up in Mechanicsville. Yes. Um, kind uh, of the, a place that wears its confer- Confederate heritage on its sleeve, is it fair to say? That is, I think, fair to say, yeah. Um, you know... Uh, my mom grew up in Mechanicsville. My dad grew up in Richmond. Uh, my mom was a gra- is a graduate um, of now Mechanicsville High School, previously Lee Davis High School. Um, and, you know, routinely I would drive. Lee, Lee Davis named for? You know, the Confederate General. Lee Davis. Robert E. Lee, <laughs> Robert Jefferson e. Lee. Davis. Yeah, Jefferson Davis. So, um, you know, I'm well, I'm well aware of the, the symbols and heritage that um, exist suppose the dialogues that exist between the people here in Virginia um, but when you talk about you know Monument Avenue you know routinely me and my mom you know we drive down Monument Avenue and she works in the city you know when I was a kid I don't think there was like any kind of what's the word I'm looking for you know interest wonderment any kind of like you know direct ire towards you know what I was seeing as we were going down Monument Avenue I don't think it sparked any kind of um, you know I didn't ask any questions. I was just like, oh, that, that thing that we drive by when we're going to Sweet Frog or something. Um, I, was, I didn't represent any interest, but I guess, you know, after I graduated high school, attended VCU, um, you start to learn more and more about, like, kind of the context of the place that you're, you're living. Um, you start to ask more and more questions. Um, start, start asking my mom. It's like, yo, was it, like, you realize that, like, you graduated from Lee, Lee Davis High School, right? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm just glad I got my degree and got out of there. And I was like, yeah, that's that's what I'm glad, too. Um, and I understood, like, the dangers of, like, you know, going to school during that time and in that environment. Um, and then come 2020, um, you know, I'm here as an observer watching all these demonstrations happening, going to demonstrations myself, trying to figure out the conversations that are happening at that time and the these monuments appear again in my life and just trying to understand you know the context of you know why these monuments exist um and i think that's when i guess even like a, t- a teeny bit of ire i suppose you you kind of understand like why this is a really upsetting for people and why there is so much joy in them seeing them removed um but for me personally um yeah, I don't know. I, I, st- I still think that is, I, I say, a misdirection in, in some aspects. Like, yes, I'm glad these monuments are gone. Um, there are monuments all over the United States that are of similar ilk, I suppose. Um, I just want to see some, you know, those conversations be put in the air more. I think we should be talking more about, you know, why these monuments are so, you know, spark so much emotion in in people. And how do we address that in sort of a a substantial change in Dara's addressing like the emotional 
and mental context of these symbols. Um, I'm not sure how that happens. I suppose platforms like this is where it happens. So happy to be here. There's that first draft of history thing that, that we say so much that it has become shop warm, but it doesn't make it less true. Um, I mean, we're journalists, um, but I think we understand that not all assignments are created equal. Um, did you feel something special about covering the story regard the monuments, just the removal of the monuments, um, just as they unfolded? Um, what, did it seem different to you? It did to me. I mean, again, I came... I came back to Richmond in 2021, so I, I watched what happened in Richmond from afar up until that point, and then came back. And were you astonished at what was happening? No. Really? No, I was. Uh, I was. You know, I mean, because you saw sort of a wave, and so mm -hmm. I think Richmond was part of that wave, and yeah. um, it, it felt due uh, okay. to me. I'll confess, I was shocked. Were you? Yeah. I mean, I think. No, I mean, I, I don't know if I get shocked too. <laughs> I've seen a lot of things. <laughs> but I, don't, I wasn't shocked. I think yeah, I was. Those waves usually pass Richmond by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but when I did go cover Lee coming down, I, I remember feeling like grateful that I was back in Richmond in time to be able to document that. It felt momentous for the city. Um, and I was glad to, to be one of the set of eyes on it. Yeah, I mean, that's like forever. Yeah. I mean, that sort of document. Are you, is it something you, you will talk to your kids about? Or Definitely, definitely. And, and AP Hill was different, you know, like we talked about the, the, um, the, the mood was different. Um, even just the, the visual comparison of seeing a, a statue being pulled off with a crane and with AP Hill seeing uh, human remains being carried off by men on a stretcher. I mean, that's the two vastly different I mean, visuals. I mean, the metaphors just don't get any richer. I mean, you have these, these monuments, and then you literally have the skeletons in our history that they represent being and, unearthed. And I really think everybody was shocked that there was an actual skull it just um, because I, you know, just some some color from being on the mound on that day. People in the crew were were joking, you know, because we were, we'd been there so long. A couple of the guys, one in particular, was joking about how, oh, you know, I'm going to go home and get, you know, my Halloween skeleton from you know f from storage and and put it, you know, put it on the mound so you know we can have found something. And then, you know, a couple hours later, he came up to me and he's like, there's there's a skull. And I was like, oh, I thought he was joking again. He's like, no, and he'd taken a picture. Were they shaken? I think they were, yeah. I think he was like, he'd taken a picture and he, he, you know, blew it up with his with his fingers and he was like, look, there's an actual skull here. And so I don't think anybody really expected that to be what, yeah. what yeah. they saw as soon as they opened that, what essentially was like a crypt. Yeah, I think from a reporting perspective, if you talk to, you know, some of the other state reporters that were there, I think the I, I guess the, the running kind of bet that people were expecting was like, oh, they're not going to find anything. Like, mm -hmm. that's what I think was expected. So the fact that they did find something, everyone was 
taken aback immediately. And that's kind of when the seriousness seriousness kind of it changed. It changed. Everything just changed yeah. in that moment. The tone changed. They brought out the tarp, covered it up real quick. And in reading <clears> that <throat> his casket had disintegrated in, at Hollywood Cemetery. And it just, I, I mean, I had an odd, kind of an odd emotion. I felt a sense of outrage for him. Like, if there was a desecration, it took place then, as far as I was concerned. Why would you do this? It, it, it just, it still makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you had a monument. Why did you need to <laughs> desecrate him in that way back then? It just, I thought it was just a curious idea to put him there in a very public place so that when you have this disinterment, it's impossible for it to be private. It's in the middle of a busy intersection. So it, it... And they did a pretty good job at making it as private as they could. I mean, literally, as, as soon as the remains were found, and it, again, it took forever, but you know, as soon as they figured out, as, at a certain point, they reached two huge slabs, mm-hmm. and they were able to kind of peer in with a with a flashlight and I think that that's that's kind of when they realized they were onto it and within half an hour they had kind of moved enough earth to get underneath those two slabs and uh and then they saw the the skull I believe and um covered up with a tarp you know so that nobody could have a visual except for the people directly uh, on the mound wow and then they brought in some trucks to kind of uh, obscure the view from the you know bystanders who are outside the line. Media was told to get off the mound. Um, the uh, John Hill was very adamant about no pictures. And then once you know once they draped the flag over and um, you know had everything on the stretcher, and they, then we were able to take pictures again. So what's the next chapter of this story? I don't know. I don't think a lot of people have any answers for that uh, in my mind. And, and you, you talk about you know, the moment, too, if you, that we're in in Richmond. I think either shortly after this or shortly before this, um, you know, we lost, what, our fifth police chief in like four years. Um, and if we go back to the demonstrations of 2020, a lot of what you know, the demands were or the conversations that we have is like, hey, we need to talk about how we police people. We need to talk about our police department. Um, and I read the headlines, and <laughs> it, it seems like not a lot has changed. Not a I lot has changed. People being no. tased until, and then having cardiac arrest out in Los Angeles. And we have a, a trial verdict here for um, a, a military Correct. Yes. Uh, yeah. officer yeah. who um, was abused by um, police and got really kind of an insulting pittance when he when he during the civil after at, at a civil case, yeah. Yeah. like it seems, you know, it's like what happened back then and where are we now? It it just seems like we're back to a certain kind of square one, or maybe is it square one or it's no turning back? I mean, has just well, I mean, let's let's t- talk about the the talking about the monuments again. Um, I think, and you're talking specifically about. Uh, Marcus Davis Peters Circle and this intersection where AP Hill is, right? Um, still, fenced in, still, still fenced in. Still fenced in. Last I saw, with barriers. And, and, yeah, and if you go to the where the AP Hill monument is, there's no kind of indication that of what was there. It is just a flat, paved surface uh, with no contextual meaning. None of uh, them have like the, 
none of them have any. Um, and I think that's what people need. We need some sort of meaning, some sort of contextual acknowledgement of like what was here, what happened. You can't just erase. Um, you the can't monuments. just you can't just erase. <laughs> Take the them monuments. down and then pretend they were never there. Exactly, and I think that's kind of where we are now. It's like we've we had this moment of kind of jubilance, and now we have nothing to kind of look back at that time or have any kind of conc- conc- oh, excuse me contextual understanding. Um, I think that I think that needs to happen. I think there needs to be some sort of acknowledgement of what took place in these places or you know, the history that, you know, we were all a part of. Um, that being said, there also needs to be some sort of other tangible changes in terms of what people were really, you know, talking about at that time, which is like, we need a change of policing, a change in behaviors to how we treat other people. We need a lot of things. And I, I truly do not have the answers to those things, but I'm happy to join in conversations with people who do. I mean, I I agree. I think that, like I said, you can't just take them down and pretend nothing ever happened. Um, The the context is needed. Um, Talking about it, uh, a a full, honest um, recount of history would be, I think, a welcome thing. Um, we're kind of um, mm-hmm. at a moment where that the opposite is happening in I Virginia. Know. I know. Um, uh, I and in America, to be honest. It's very it's, dangerous. It's um, yeah, and I think, I think that the eyes of the country were on Richmond, have been on Richmond because of the monuments coming down. And I think that um, it's important, like you said, that those spaces have some type of marker at least explaining you know what was there and then what has transpired you know since 2020 and, and bringing them down I think at the very least that, that there should be some some type of yes contextualization of that but then the conversation needs to go way beyond why do you think the Lee circle is still cordoned off as it is it's a place of so much so much emotion and I think there's so much that has been put into that space, you know, um, in terms of energy. And uh, I think there's fear as to, I guess, maybe what would happen if they took the fencing down. But I mean, um, when you look at it now, like, you know, talk about metaphors, it's like you're, you know, entering an octagon. Like, if you were to get inside of Marcus Peter's circle now, um, I would feel like a a cage fighter, I, I think. Well, and there's <laughs> symbolism in yeah, that, too. Exactly. I mean, you took down one symbol only to leave another symbol of this fencing that's up. Yeah. yeah. And it, so, I mean, that yeah. that the visual there still speaks volumes. Yeah, it's, a, it's um, you spoke of what monument embodied to you um, coming up. Um, monument Avenue historically was a space for me um, over more than six decades of unwelcome. Um, It's not like I spent a lot of time ruminating about the monuments themselves, but it was just a space that I spent a remarkably small amount of time in given its centrality to the Richmond experience. And for that moment in 2020, it became the opposite of that. It became Monument Avenue and the Lee Circle became a focal point um, in many ways. Of, of Richmond civic life and, 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 and Richmond discussion and, and protest. 
And to me, the the cordoning off and the barriers surrounding the circle now represent the same spirit in which the monuments were erected. And it's unfathomable and it's um, it's reprehensible. They need to come down. Those barriers need to come down. But um, in any event, a lot to unpack here. Any any final thoughts um, about where we go from here now that the last monument is gone? Um, and I'm still looking at these powerful these images and the power that they have uh, to evoke emotion. Just any last thoughts? I'll, I'll let Eva take this one. Oh, I just think we need to keep having the conversation. So thank you for keeping this podcast going. <laughs> Yeah, um, and you're right. We need to. I think we do need access to these spaces. Yes. You know, I think we need to be intentional on how we reopen these spaces to the public because they do need to be open spaces, and we, we they do need to not have this kind of barriers that exist like, in a community. Like, there's no reason that we should be ignoring or be deterred from like going there when it was a space of a lot of community when. In 2020, when demonstrations were happening, I think um, it became a space of a community, and I think it needs to return to that if we're going to make any progress, if we're going to have some sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for, some sort of dialogue between ourselves. Um, yeah, but in terms of what what's next, uh, you know, I, I still don't have any answers. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I'm excited to kind of able to report and discover exactly. you know hear conversations with people on how they feel um, but I think there's a lot of mystery ahead um, you know when the monuments are there it's it's so clear um, to kind of point towards something and say that's wrong um, but once they're gone it's kind of like what what is there to point to now I think that's kind of what where people are at um, is in terms of like where do they direct their emotions, their frustrations towards, um, and we'll just have to find out, I guess, what that is. Yeah, a lot to unpack, a lot to explore after the monuments. Uh, thank you, Lyndon. Thank you, Ava, uh, for joining me today. Um, subbing for um, my regular co-host um, Kelly Lemon, who will be back. But um, thank you all, thank and you. thank you for your coverage. After the Monuments is a Virginia Video Network production and produced by Matt Pacilli, Michael Paul Williams, and me, Kelly Lemon. Technical direction and editing from Bill Barksdale. Executive production from Paul Farrell, Diane Salvatore, and Paige Mudd. Will Royer provides studio support. Our artwork is by Krishna Mathis. I'm Kelly Lemon, and we'll see you next week on After the Monuments. Huge thanks to Massey Cancer Center for being our After the Monuments sponsor.